today is the final day of Trump week. We've looked at Obamacare. All in all, the Trump administration has chipped away at the edges of the, the ACA. Medicaid. Many of these proposals were designed to limit the scope of the Medicaid program. Drug pricing. Ambitious, but also a bit underwhelming. And women's health. Between about 70,000 and 126,000 women would lose birth control coverage. From the Anberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, finally, the president's actions on the pandemic and a look ahead to what four more years of this administration could mean for health policy. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. Our producer, Ryan Levy, is with me today to wrap up the series on the president's record over his first term. Ryan, thanks for coming in. Absolutely, Dan. Let's pull back the curtain for a second and let people know what's gone into producing these episodes. And to be honest, I'm curious myself, how many people have you actually talked to, Ryan? So I talked to more than 30 experts uh, in the lead up to this series. These are folks from across the ideological spectrum. Uh, They work at think tanks, they're academics, former government officials, you know, folks who really pay close attention to health policy. Right. And and we've heard from a number of them uh, talking about the Affordable Care Act, talking about Medicaid, prescription drugs, women's health. Of course, you and I both know that's not everything. What other policies, though, did the experts that you've talked to find noteworthy that we haven't touched on this week so far? So price transparency is a big one. Uh, We did an episode on this earlier this year uh, with the president's move to have hospitals uh, make public the prices that they negotiate with insurers. The president and, and his supporters really tout this as a, as a big accomplishment, something that could really lower prices. People have no idea how big it is. Some people say bigger than health care itself. This is something that's going to be uh, very important. The evidence is still out. We don't really know what, uh, what impact it will have, but it is certainly something, um, one of the few policies that the administration uh, has pushed that is actually for now going forward. Um, and then obviously there's COVID, which is on top of everyone's mind right now. Totally. You can't talk about President Trump's record without talking about COVID. Was there any sort of consensus around how the Trump administration has handled the response to the pandemic? You know, as we're talking today, it's September 17th. uh, There have been more than six and a half million confirmed cases in the U.S. Nearly 200,000 people have died from COVID-19. The U.S. is just 4% of the world's population, but we account for about 20% uh, of the world's COVID deaths so far. There have been several polls that have found that about 6 in 10 Americans disapprove of the president's handling of the pandemic. Uh, And all that is pretty similar to what I have heard from the experts that I talked to, you know, especially looking at the administration's early handling of the pandemic, you know, really downplaying its severity and not getting the testing that we needed up and running. And, and what about the flip side? Did Is there any consensus around uh, giving the president uh, good marks for any action? You know, honestly, a lot of the experts I talked to had very little positive to say uh, about the president's response. That being said, uh, there was some widespread agreements on the benefits of the administration's moves on telehealth. Telehealth. Virtual visits by video or phone. Telehealth. Telehealth has really taken off in the past couple of months. You know, this telehealth explosion is something that a lot of folks think is going to be here to stay and could really change how care is delivered in this country. 
Uh, you know, the other thing to mention here is around vaccines. We have reached an agreement with Moderna to manufacture and deliver 100 million doses of their coronavirus vaccine candidate. You know, on one hand, the administration has been incredibly aggressive, has poured a ton of money into this, helping cover the costs of building up production uh, of all of these vaccines. And then if and when one of them is proven safe and effective, we've got a guaranteed order already in place. Now, on the other hand, this is all happening as fears grow about the politicization of a vaccine. You know, the president is rushing to get something out the door before the election. He's contradicting government scientists who say it is unlikely that there will be a widely available vaccine before the end of this year. And that's all raising questions uh, about safety and fueling this growing skepticism about whether people are actually going to take a vaccine. Uh, A recent Kaiser Family Foundation poll found that more than half of folks would not take a vaccine if it was approved before Election Day. Uh, And I really think this, you know, speaks to a broader dissatisfaction uh, with the administration's response to the pandemic going back all the way to the beginning. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So, that's looking back at the first term. That's shift gears and look ahead. If President Trump is elected, Ryan, what do these policy experts you've talked to think his agenda will look like? And let me just say quickly, we don't know what the makeup of Congress is going to be, and that will have a huge uh, influence on what the president is or is not able to do if he is reelected. You know, most of them expected to see pretty much the same things we've seen this term, you know, kind of a continuation uh, of the administration's priorities. Uh, And that's basically what we heard from the president when he accepted the nomination uh, at the Republican National Convention last month. We will end surprise medical billing, require price transparency, and further reduce the cost of prescription drugs and health insurance premiums. They're coming way down. You know, one interesting thing that the president didn't mention, um, but I heard from some of the conservative experts that I talked to, uh, was this potential for the administration to focus on consolidation in healthcare. You know, this is something that we've talked about on the show, Dan, uh, you know, where we're seeing hospitals and private physician practices, you know, merge and join together and really dominate the markets that they're in. Uh, and Lan He Chen, who's a fellow at the Hoover Institution, you know, he mentioned this as an idea that he thinks uh, a second Trump administration should really look at. This is really one of the reasons why we see higher costs in our healthcare system is in some cases a lack of competition. And so uh, one of the things I've called for is expanding funding for the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice to fight anti-competitive mergers and growing consolidation in healthcare. You know, so that could be an interesting policy to follow in a potential Trump second term, along with, you know, the greatest hits that they keep trotting out. I certainly expect another priority for the Trump administration in a second term would be a continued response to COVID. 
Absolutely. That's really, you know, whether it's a priority or not, it's going to have to happen. Uh, COVID is not going anywhere. You know, another thing that could really upend or be a wild card uh, in a second Trump term is uh, if the Supreme Court strikes down the Affordable Care Act. The fate of the health care law, often referred to as Obamacare, will be on the line again as the COVID pandemic plays out. The administration, in a new filing, asked the Supreme Court to abolish Obamacare. The healthcare program that case is going to be heard this November right after Election Day. You know, Trump has repeatedly said that he's got, you know, a great new health care plan, a great replacement for the Affordable Care Act, just ready to go. Uh, we haven't seen anything uh, like that from him. Uh, but if he's reelected and the ACA is overturned, he's going to need to come up with something. One of the questions that I've personally found most illuminating is when we've asked the guests this week to use one word or one phrase to sum up the administration's approach on the ACA or Medicaid or what have you. I want to put that question to you. What's one word or phrase you would use to sum up the Trump administration's health policy goals over the first term? I think I'd have to go with limited. Um, you know, I think that's kind of been the through line that I've heard you know, both through the conversations that, that we've had this week and the other conversations I've had with experts. You know, um, the things that the administration has been able to make changes on has mostly been through executive actions, administrative actions. And, you know, and this failure uh, is something that we heard from Brian Blaze, who we talked to, who, you know, was a senior advisor to the president on health care. Yeah, there was an opportunity to really reform America's health care system in lasting ways by passing legislation. And um, that effort collapsed. You know, he's talking there specifically about uh, the effort to repeal the Affordable Care Act. But I think it does a nice job of, of honestly summing up uh, the administration's entire kind of health policy record. You know, the president came in with these really big, bold, you know, in some cases, radical ideas uh, to change health policy, you know, repeal the Affordable Care Act, fundamentally change how Medicaid works, go after the drug companies and really try to be aggressive in lowering prices. But he wasn't able to get any of that into legislation, he wasn't able to get any of that done with Congress. And so at the end of the day, he hasn't really been able to leave much of a permanent mark uh, on our healthcare system. Ryan Levy, producer at Tradeoffs, thank you so much for the work that you have put into this series. Great job. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for joining us for the first part of our two-week series on healthcare and the 2020 election. We'll finish the series next week with two episodes focused on former Vice President Joe Biden's healthcare proposals. If you've missed any of the episodes, you can find them and all of our reporting for this series on our website at tradeoffs.org slash Trump Biden. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, keep in touch with us between episodes by signing up for our newsletter. Click on the friendly orange button at the top of our website, tradeoffs.org. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at TradeoffsPod. And we'd also ask you to take a moment and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use to help others find us. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, intern Sabrina Ems, communication and marketing manager Emily Patterson, researcher Jamie Song, partnerships lead Jessica Silverman, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>
Additional thanks to Joe Antos, Linda Blumberg, John Rother, Billy Wynn, Doug Badger, Larry Levitt, Katie Keith, Lanhe Chen, Edwin Park, Alina Salganikov, Ovik Roy, Samantha Artiga, Mark Miller, Rachel Sachs, Kavita Patel, Grace Marie Turner, Jim Capretta, Walid Jalad, Monica McLemore, Lynn Blewett, Kosali Simon, Jenny Kenny, and Aziza Ahmed. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation and Arnold Ventures. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.